Hi, I'm Heather Knight, and this is the Surviving to Thriving podcast. One in four women will experience severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. We're going to discuss the taboo topic of domestic violence and the tools our thrivers have used to succeed in life. We want you to know that you are not alone in this fight. Please keep listening if you or anyone you know has been impacted by domestic violence. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Night Protection Services for making this podcast possible and all the support they provide our cause. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Surviving to Thriving. Today I have with me Erin Barry. She is a transformational relationship coach, energy healer, retreat leader, and yoga instructor. She considers herself a soul midwife as her divine purpose in life is to help bring you back home to your true essence and original wholeness. She helps you get your relationships unstuck by first helping you create a relationship with your most authentic self. She can help you reclaim balance in your life, mind, body, and soul, and step back into bliss where you belong. Her personal journey to her authentic self has been and is a deep process of self-love and acceptance. She would love to show you the way as bliss and joy are your birthright. Erin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course. So let's get right into it. What was it like growing up for you? Yeah, I think I had a pretty normal upbringing, lived in kind of a suburban area and, you know, had a pretty, I would say, traditional upbringing. Awesome. So what was like middle school, high school, kind of those ages like, you know, if it's traditional at home, was it traditional at school? What kind of things did you like to do and, and things like that? Yeah, it's interesting looking back on this now because I have a daughter that's about to enter junior high and she's starting to talk about fitting in. And I remember that being a big thing for me. And I think a big part of that was I didn't really know who I was authentically. So I was trying to fit in the way society told me that I needed to fit in. Being raised traditional Although wonderful as it was, I was kind of the outsider of my family. So it made me feel like an outsider already in my family, but then also in my, my school life. And so I think a lot of what I work with people on now is around there, figuring out who they are authentically, loving who they are authentically and owning their worth, because I feel like that really did affect my school life in many, many ways. Definitely. And I think that not everybody, but a lot of teenagers go through that at some point of, you know, who am I? Is this who I really want to be? You know, you could be the most popular person in school or the least popular person in school. And I think at some point you go through that. So what was it like kind of deciphering that and going through that? Because a lot of our listeners are teenagers and they may be going through that same exact feeling of, you know, I don't belong or I don't fit in or anything like that. So what is maybe some advice that you can give to them about how to kind of navigate through high school? Yeah. I mean, I would say my journey took me well into my twenties and thirties to figure it out. So I would be happy to help someone figure it out much sooner than I did. And a lot of that is what I'm teaching my kids right now as well, which is that, you know, this idea that you're supposed to be a certain way makes absolutely no sense because we are all here as unique expressions of the divine, whatever it is that you believe in. 
And that it's ridiculous to think that we would all look and act and be a certain way. It's actually through our diversity that we are stronger, that we are more important, I guess, important to ourselves, the more that we understand that we can just own who we are. So for me personally, I had this feeling of not being myself, like being out of alignment with who I actually was. There's this idea called the gap, which is basically that there's a huge gap between who you actually are and who you're presenting to the world to be. And there's just this feeling underneath of not being in alignment with who you actually are. To me, it felt like I was selling my soul to the devil, I guess, more than anything else. And so I would say, look for that, feel into that. If you feel like you're not being who you are, if you're sacrificing yourself in any way, shape or form, and that can be just in your daily life. And it can also be in relationship. I was pretty much taught to find a person find a person to take care of me for my entire life. And there wasn't a whole lot of value put into actually what it was that I was going to do with my world, what it was authentically that made me unique and special and what my gifts were to share with the world. And so sharing with your younger listeners, just to really choose yourself first, to really figure out who you are and what it is that you want, instead of following whatever it is that you think you're should be doing or what you've told you should be doing. I think that's a huge place to feel into. Definitely. And you are a relationship coach and this is, you know, all about relationships and on this show. And we talked uh, prior to getting on the show, what was dating like in high school for you? I know that my journey and my story began in high school with, you know, my emotionally and mentally abusive relationship. And, you know, we, you said that you kind of had a similar point and story. Would you, um, you want to talk about that and how dating was in high school for you? Yeah. Up till a certain point, I wasn't really interested in relationship. And then there was this guy who I was just so attracted to in one of my classes. I just had to have this guy. He was charismatic. He was hot. You know, I was like, I don't know what this is, but I want this. And I got him and then proceeded to be in a pretty much off and on five year emotionally abusive relationship with what turned out to be your typical narcissist. He really played a good game and not knowing who I was fed into this, trying to fulfill my worth, my happiness everything outside of myself instead of realizing that that was all inside jobs. And that's, I mean, that's been a journey I'm shoot, you know, 20 some years later still on, but yeah, I actually ended up forming an eating disorder because I really put a lot of stock in what this guy believed in me. He cheated on me all the time. He told me I was just an average looking person. I wasn't that thin. I mean, just anything to take my power away. And I really got stuck. So that was from ages started when I was about 14 to about when I was 18 is when I finally figured out like, wow, this is not a good situation. And then we'll say I did proceed to marry a narcissist as well. So it's definitely been a pattern that I have cleared throughout my lifetime. No longer married to that person. Looking back, what are some of those signs and red flags that you maybe didn't notice when you were 13, but started to notice at 18 and then can definitely pick out now as you're older that maybe, you know, 
14, 15 year old girls or, or guys can look for in their partner to know like, okay, I either need to just leave this situation or bring this up to an adult and say, Hey, I think this person is a narcissist and maybe can get some help. I think the main thing is that these narcissists tend to initially make you feel really amazing about yourself. They get you to this place where they've got you. And then all of a sudden the behavior totally changes. It does a 180. So this person that was totally into you, totally giving you all their time and attention is now blowing you off or they're actually, they tend to be controlling. You'll notice that all of a sudden your, your friends are all going away and you don't have time for them. This person's keeping you from them is a big one. A big one for me, and I don't remember it so much with my ex-boyfriend in high school, but definitely my ex-husband is this idea of gaslighting, which I don't know if you've talked about on your show before. At the end of my marriage, I actually thought I was losing my mind. My ex-husband would tell me that I had agreed to certain things or we had had certain conversations about certain things that I did not remember at all. I actually thought I was going into like an early onset Alzheimer's situation. I was researching it. So if you're starting to feel crazy, if you're starting to feel like you're losing yourself, if you're starting to realize that you've been isolated from other people, those tend to be three major signs that you are connected with some sort of narcissist. Definitely. Those are huge. And gaslighting is such a huge thing, not only in you know adult relationships, but especially in teen relationships. That's one of the huge things that in our teen programs that we talk about is gaslighting because we don't teach that to our kids. We don't teach that to teenagers. I've said it before on the show, but we tell kids all the time, you're too young for love. You're too young to be in love. And yet it's still happening. So, you know, I compare it to sex education where it's like, you can sit there all day and say, don't have sex. Abstinence is the way, but it's still going to happen. So you might as well teach them the safe way to do it. Relationships are still going to happen in high school. So we might as well teach them how to properly be in a relationship, how to be in a healthy relationship, what communication is, what respect is, and to look for the signs of an abusive partner so that they're not being put into these situations over and over again throughout their whole life. Because the first relationship you have in high school will probably dictate the types of relationships that you're in throughout your entire adult life as well. I think it's a huge piece that we're missing in education for our young adults. And I think that, you know, bringing guests on that can talk about it is really helpful. So I think a lot of what you just said is key is, you know, especially those three markers of controlling and gaslighting and, and things like that as well. So moving on to college. So you got out of this relationship, you turned 18 or, you know, in your 18 year or so, you know, you're like, okay, this isn't normal. This is not what, you know, what a relationship's supposed to be like. So what was it like leaving that situation? Because I know that especially in high school, you know, breakups are a major thing, right? They're, they're devastating. And breakups in general, right? Even in your adult life are devastating. But when you're 17, 18 years old, that is life ending. Like I can't go on anymore. What was that like? And what advice can you give to somebody who may see that they're in this type of relationship, but are scared to leave not only because it's a scary situation to leave, 
but because they're also that young mindset of if I leave this person, I may never find anybody else again. Yeah. I mean, that's been wrapped up in, I think every relationship. And I think that I now have this understanding that relationships are teachers. Very, very few of them are we actually supposed to be in forever. There's so much in what you just said that I'm like, okay, but from a societal standpoint, yes, we are told like we're supposed to be with the person. And yes, there's a lot of growth that you can make in relationship, but there is something more beautiful about figuring out how to be okay on your own, to realize that your existence is perfect, complete and whole all on its own. And that any relationship you have is the cherry on top. Now, I will tell you, I stayed in my marriage for a couple extra years out of all of those fears. I have two kids. So I was like, I'm going to live under a bridge with my kids. Will I ever find anybody again? Like, you know, all, all of the fears that you're talking about. And I just finally reached this point where I realized none of that mattered because my happiness was more important than any situation I could keep myself in. So I think that is pertinent for, you know, teenagers all the way through adulthood is to realize that actually Jerry Maguire had it wrong. Your, your, your young listeners might not even know who that is, but you cannot be completed by somebody else. You only complete yourself. So one of the, the main things I teach now as a coach is self-love. Like until we really love ourselves, until we really complete ourselves, nobody else is going to do that. So, and honestly, the more that you do that work, the more that you love yourselves, the more that you figure out who you are authentically and own it, the more you're going to attract people who will reflect that back to you. They'll see it in you. Those are the relationships that you want. And to understand that relationships are teachers. So they are not meant to last forever. And that this whole idea that we are a failure in some way by ending a relationship is a load of crap. (laughs) It's actually beautiful. It's the end of whatever the contract is, and then it's time to move on and it's time to find somebody or not that meets you where you want to be met. But yeah, this whole idea of being stuck is, it drives me nuts. It's, it's a pattern I've had in my life. So I can, you can tell I'm kind of passionate about it. (laughs) Definitely. And I love what you said about relationships are teachers because you get to the end of that relationship and you're like, I wasted five years of my life. And every time I hear that, I'm like, did you have good times in that relationship? Answer is always yes, right? Because if they were 100% bad from the start, you never would have been in that relationship in the first place. And then the next question is, did you learn something from it? Yes. And if the answer is yes to both of those questions, then it was not a waste of time. You learned, you grew, you know, you may have made some mistakes, you may have, you know, done something that you're not proud of or anything like that, but it wasn't a waste of time. It was exactly where you needed to be at that point to be where you are today. Absolutely. And I would also say that another big part of that is that most of what we're up to in relationship, if we're just kind of going through the motions, is that we are trying to heal childhood wounds. We are attracted to people who remind us of our parents and we are trying to get our needs met from our partners that we couldn't get met from our parents, our caretaker, no matter how wonderful our caretakers were, you know? So once you understand that, and then you can look at your actions and be like, oh, wow, look what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to get these needs met. And then guess what? The only person that can actually meet those needs for you is yourself. 
Definitely. And that, I mean, it's so true. Yet, Like you said, it doesn't matter how great they were because if they were amazing and then, you know, you grow up, you don't need them anymore, but you still need them. You still need those things that they provided and you look for that in, in other people. And so I think that's also a huge misconception is if you look for somebody who's like your dad, you must have daddy issues. Well, no, it's, you know, even if your dad was amazing, it's still, you want that amazingness you still want everything that that he provided in somebody else so i think that's really key so then so we're in college we're you know we've left this high school relationship did you immediately go into another relationship or did you spend some time finding yourself again what was that kind of transition like well i didn't really find myself until my mid 20s that's when my my self-love journey started. So yeah, I mean, I remember there was this period of time where I felt really good and happy on my own. And then I remember this friend actually being like, we should date, we should go find boyfriends. And then what was funny about that is I ended up finding the boyfriend and she didn't. And that ended up being my college sweetheart who turned into my husband you know, there was no healing. There was no processing between those relationships. You know, I was just going through the motions of what I had always been taught and told and modeled by society, you know? And so we had a fairly decent relationship initially, but what was really funny about it is because I didn't know who I was. I was kind of a bitchy, you know, older teenager, you know, catty young adult. And I was not very kind. I was not a very nice person. And so what was interesting is that me and him kind of bonded over how much we didn't like me. So we talked a lot of smack about me. So again, another kind of emotionally abusive relationship. Also, my pattern is to attract emotionally unavailable people, which is what I did. I talk about the story quite a bit, but my mom around this time had given me this book called The Rules. I'm sure there's a new or updated version now that's kind of the same thing, which is how to play hard to get. That means that you're playing, you're trying to be unavailable. So you're going to attract that to you. And so that was really my experience. I mean, it worked. We ended up getting married, you know, but what was really interesting about that is somebody recently asked me, like, were you a yes? Like when he asked you to marry him and I was like, Actually, what came through my head was, well, I've already wasted six years of my life. Do I want to start over? Well, guess what? I started over like almost 20 years after that, when we ended up getting divorced. He ended up also being a narcissist. He was a sneaky narcissist. So that's another thing to point out to your listeners is that there's the typical narcissist, which was my high school boyfriend, very charismatic, just drew you in. This one was he was more quiet, but still had those same traits. And the type of person that's usually attracted to a narcissist is the people pleaser type, the person who can lose themselves in the relationship, who puts their needs after somebody else's. And so I just want to point that out right now. Like your needs are just as important as whoever you're dating, because that has been a journey for me when I'm still unwiring. So if I can help somebody else do it sooner. I absolutely will. But yeah, so my college relationship turned into a 20 year relationship. Wow. And even so through that, you said that your self love journey started in your mid twenties. What was that internal battle like of 
okay, I'm starting this self-love, but I'm still in this relationship where there is no self-love. So how was that start? And then that, that journey, what was that like for you? Yes. So we got married when I was 25 and the next year I went on a private retreat by myself. I had gotten in enough pain. I knew something needed to change. I knew there was something more out there than what I was experiencing. And I had a conversation with a friend who had just been on this retreat. And so I ended up going to the same retreat and that's where it started. My self-love journey. She actually asked me if I love myself. And I was like, that's a dumb question. Of course I love myself. And then I started to listen to my internal dialogue and realized I didn't say any kind things to myself. I hadn't been kind to myself, like even just my eating disorder, you know, that was me like hating myself. So yeah, it was a really interesting journey because I really started to like spiritually wake up during that time. And initially my ex-husband seemed supportive of it, but he could never see me as anyone other than the 19 year old girl he had met. So as I shifted and changed, he still had the same story and that's a whole other (laughs) conversation. But what happened is I started to see my worth. I started to see who I actually was. I started to see that the way he talked to me and about me was not okay. And it was a long journey because also during this time we ended up having children. So then I felt really like stuck and locked in because we had these kids But I got to this place eventually, it was actually because I have children probably, that I overheard myself say to my oldest daughter, do as I say, not as I do, because she had just witnessed him being really disrespectful to me. And I was like, this mini me goddess deserves to be treated way better than this. And then I went, wait a minute, I actually have to lead by example. I have to show my kids. So that was one of the final straws was that I had these little girls looking up to me. And I was like, I can't model this to them. They're going to think this is okay. They're going to think this is how they should be treated. So yeah, a very weird internal battle with the self-love that eventually ended my relationship. If you or anyone you know has been victimized by domestic violence, please reach out to us for resources and ways our organization can help you. You can find us on social media at 2 ATL. T-O Thriving ATL or online at twothriving.org.